Don't you know that you so wrong, man? You're wrong and here's why. Chris and Greg don't see eye to eye like none of the time. Robert Covington sticks. I don't care what you think. How is LeBron James the king when he's ruining teams? You're wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. You're wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why. I'm Chris Forward, I'm joined by Greg Crone. Gregory, what's going on? <sighs> Chris, <laughs> I, I just, I, I, I wanted sports back so bad. And yeah. it just, it has just slapped me so hard in the face being, being a sports fan of, of a particular town. It, it, this is, it's just, it's a bigger bummer than when sports didn't exist. Flyers going for the Stanley Cup? Uh, yeah, if only. That that was my only respite. Everybody else stinks. Who uh is what's going on in hockey right now? I don't know. The Stanley Cup final is tied one to one between <laughs> the Dallas Stars and the um Tampa Dallas, Bay Lightning, it looks like. Tampa Bay Lightning. Dallas Stars, Tampa Bay Lightning, yes. Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't know we were in the Stanley Cup. It's no idea whatsoever. Hockey is just so yes. irrelevant to me. Well, it's it's an amazing game, and it's amazingly frustrating when your team uh, fails miserably uh, in the playoffs. I'm going to take a shot at this name. Congratulations to Edmonton Oilers forward Leon Dreisaitl on uh, winning this year's Hart Trophy, which is given to the NHL's most valuable player. Yep, and they didn't even make it into the actual playoffs. Oh, that's interesting. Hey, did they uh, did they decide who gets the uh, number one pick yet? Uh yes, they do, and I forget who it was. Uh, I believe it was one of the teams that qualified for the postseason. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the number one pick's going to the Anaheim. Rangers. Oh, it's the Rangers. Yes. Okay. Yeah, this isn't in order. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I'm looking. Which good for them. I don't see it that way, but another team in our division that uh, another team in our division that gets the number one pick after having the number two pick last year. It's just it's 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 it nothing can't ever have nice things. We just can't. Oh, it's and not they, good. And they got Sergey Krylovsky, that defenseman with the number two pick. I don't know who they. No, t- they got Capo Kapanen or Capo Kako. I don't know some some Finnish guy with a really tough name to pronounce. Swedish maybe actually. Foreign for sure. Yes. Hundred <laughs> percent. I don't know. Who cares? Hockey's irrelevant. Let's <laughs> let's talk about. Uh, we've got a basketball game tonight. Lakers up two zero on Denver in this series, kicking off in about fifty three minutes. How do you how do you feel about this? Do do the Nuggets have any shot whatsoever? I don't think so. I think with the way Game Two ended. Uh, in such sort of dramatic fashion and, and how, um, uh, you know, Anthony Davis, the way he's played. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Nuggets, uh, all their magic sort of dissipated, you know. Um, they The two amazing 3-1 comebacks, the way they dismantled the Clippers in Game 7, uh, I think it's one of those things where it's just kind of run its course at this point, and the Lakers are just, you know, laser-focused on getting to the finals. How do we feel about the Celtics-Heat series? Obviously, Heat take a 2-0 lead only to have the Celtics win Game 3 and narrow it to 2-1. How many days off in a row do these guys have? I, I don't know, even know. Weird, when, right? when is, I the just... next game's 
It's tomorrow. I was just looking yeah. at that. It is. Uh, it looks like they got th- three days off in a row. They played on the nineteenth. So yeah, it's, it's still bizarre. Uh, I mean, I, like I guess with Travel the way days. these guys have been. Yeah, exactly. With the way these guys have been playing every night, every or every other night. Uh, I mean, I guess it's warranted, but it's interesting, and it almost feels like it kind of takes a little bit of the wind out of the Celtics with the way they were able to close out that game. Uh, and give themselves life in this series. You know, now having a significant time period off, it allows the Heat to kind of readjust what their plans are going to be, uh, see what didn't work in that game. And, and it's been a weird and, and pretty tightly contested series that the Celtics have kind of dominated until like the late third, fourth quarter of every game. Well, from what I understand, you have to win after 48. So... That's where the Heat are are you know doing well. That's true. I mean, usually, usually that's how it works. Is once the final buzzer goes off. I understand sports good, Greg. <laughs> it's it's to me to me though, the Heat's ability to come back and and stay resilient and sort of close out these games. At mm-hmm. least they did in one and two. Uh, it shows cracks in the Celtics, but I think. I think the addition of Hayward's really going to help. Uh, obviously, it paid some dividends the other night. Um, I, I just, I, to me, it's tough because I feel like I feel like you know the, the Celtics rely so much on that Tatum Brown combo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kemba hasn't played well. If Kemba turns it on and and is able to get you know even even to like seventy five percent of what Kemba normally is. They, the Celtics should be able to to easily tie the series up tomorrow, and then and then obviously you're down to three you know three game series. We'll see what happens, but um, it's been an intriguing series kind of all the way around. What's interesting though is nobody on that Heat team is really playing that far over their head, and you can even argue that some guys are kind of struggling a little bit. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the emergence of Bam Adebayo has been really telling, though, mm-hmm. for them. I haven't seen much of some of those secondary guys that really kind of dominated. Exactly. Um, the Duncan Robinsons, the Tyler Harrows, those guys have been quiet. Harrows, the, the guy I was thinking of, he felt like such an important piece in those early rounds, um, especially against like the Raptors. Or not the Raptors. Yeah, the Raptors. That's who they played, right? Sure No, did. they played the Bucks. Sure the Bucks. Um, uh, I'm confusing the the teams. There's too much sports, Chris. Now it's all. Now uh, all I know. I'm just so sick of it. I wish we could have less sports. Absolutely not. Keep the sports coming, especially yeah. teams I'm not fans of. Well, I, I'll watch any any game that I am not a fan of. That's the college football strategy. Uh, exactly. Um, but I think I think those guys, if they can come back, if they can just be anywhere near what they were in those earlier series. The heat, the heat wouldn't struggle so much early on in these games. I mean, you watch them get down 15, 17, 20 points in some of these games early on. They still manage to claw their way back, but but all that energy, the all that energy that they expand uh, or expend yeah. to to get there as the series drags on, it's it's going to become less and less of an option. I would like to point out the fact that I know his name is technically pronounced Hero, but before he got to college, it was well, he was originally at Wisconsin. Uh, it was Harrow, and uh, this hero thing has been—it's been the change over the last couple of years. Hey, I get it. If my <laughs> if my name was spelled like that, I'd say it's Hero too. But it it's, was it, Harrow before. It's the Thiesman Thiesman thing. Joe mm-hmm. Thiesman was Joe Thiesman. Mm-hmm. Good old Brett Favre. <laughs> yeah, but Thiesman did it because his so his name would rhyme with Heisman. 
Yeah, which, you know, which makes sense. It's genius, genius marketing. And then, well, I'm not going to say anything, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, this has been an interesting series. You're right, Adebayo's emergence has been has been something to watch. Although I do think we're getting a little bit carried away with him. I was reading uh, an article the other day talking about whether people would build a team around Carl uh, Anthony Towns or Bam Adebayo, and everyone saying, "Oh, Bam Adebayo, Bam Adebayo," <laughs> nonsense. Well, so it's it's a similar conversation to what we saw last year with Pascal Siakam. Yeah. Right? So last year when Siakam was the number two with uh, Kawhi, or I guess arguably you could say him or Lowry two and three, mm-hmm. either way you want to slice it. Um, but uh, the, the praise just started getting heaped on Siakam. He's a potential, you know, superstar in the league. And he's very good. Don't get me wrong. That's not really what I'm saying. Um, but but we get these grandiose ideas of, like, uh, is Siakam a, you know, first-team All-NBA player? Yeah. Can we build the franchise around him now? And I think you're seeing similar narratives run with, with Bam in this situation. Yeah, Bam is great at what he is, and that is a complimentary big guy. He is unbelievable in that system. He's multidimensional. The skill set is getting better, it seems like, every game. But Bam Adebayo is not a guy who you build a franchise around. No, absolutely not. It's just, it's not, that's not the way his game is built. I mean, he's not going to be a guy that's going to take over a game by himself. You know what I mean? Right. It, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like he's the guy, get the ball in his hands and he's going to go on a, you know, 12 0 run by himself to, to bring a team back or put a team away. Um, but when you need him in a big spot, like that block in game, I think, one, oh, um, yeah. Yeah, like, like that's a play that he's going to make. And, and that's sort of, what you expect out of a guy who's not not necessarily your number one, but I guess in your big three, if that makes sense. Greg, we have to talk about this. The uh, the Big Ten is headed back sooner rather than later. How do you feel about your beloved Penn State Nittany Lions and their chances this season? <laughs> Beloved's an interesting word to use. Um, as, as a Penn State uh, alum, uh, it's it's interesting to see this football team and kind of where they're at. I I think that, you know, the issues that they've had the past few years where they sort of can't get over that hump, uh, despite winning the Big Ten championship and, and, and sort of just missing the college football playoff, uh, they seem to overthink big spots, and I think that's more on the coaching staff than anything else. Um, I think the one that, that stands out the, the most is the Trace McSorley handoff to, <laughs> I want to say it was Miles Sanders on like fourth and five with essentially the season on the line against Ohio State. Um, and and you just kind of sit there and you wonder what James Franklin thinks about in these situations. Right. So that always worries me. Um with with any sort of Penn State season, and I just you know I'm excited that it's back, but I never I never get fully invested in in the Penn State stuff because it, it's it's I have enough heartache in sports. I don't need additional stuff uh, with Penn State, but um, believe me, they'll be like seven and zero headed into the last week of the season, and I'll be I'll be fired up and like we're gonna do it. We're gonna make the national or the college football playoff if that's even possible. I don't even know how that's all gonna shake out. But. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I have optimism, but I'm not, I don't bank on it. 
Well, I don't think 7-0 and is going to happen. I think 1-0 and is going to be the peak. You, you open up against Nebraska on the 24th of October. Scott Frost, Nebraska. Hey, that, set, <laughs> that second game on Halloween is uh, a little, uh, little school called Ohio State, and that's going to be a challenge for the Nets. It's a tough one. That's uh, that's when when you see that on the schedule, it's uh, it's always like great. You're like, oh great, the college football's back. Oh great, our season's college over. Football's over. Our season's over. Yeah. Week two. It's well, that's that's always the biggest bummer because they always seem to play them. Obviously, this season's different, but they always seem to play them later in the season, and uh, you'll get to like four or five or six and zero, oh, and you're like, all right, we're rolling, and then you look, and it's like, oh, we have uh, Ohio State. Michigan and Wisconsin the next three weeks, and you're like, all right, well, this is this is terrible. I guess that's over. Yeah, and it seems a little bit unfair given the talent pulls for these rosters that Penn State will be without Micah Parsons and Ohio State will have Justin Fields and Sean Wade. So, but I heard rumors that there was a potential that he was considering coming back. Like, and I guess it all would depend on what what he actually did in terms of opting out. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I'm sure there's rules and and stipulations and agents and stuff. Uh, if he didn't do any of that, uh, he would obviously have the ability to come back. But I just don't know why he would at this point. Uh, as of three days ago, Penn State was allegedly having quote healthy dialogue with Micah Parsons about potentially opting back in. That seems rather non-committal. Well, I, I know, because there, there was also rumors that Fryermuth wasn't going to play, and then as soon as it was announced they were going to play, he's like, no, I'm in, I'm not. I, he's like, we talked about me potentially opting out, but I'm here to, I'm here to play. So, I don't know. It's, it's it, the opt-in, opt-out, opt-in, opt-out stuff, it's, it's going to be annoying until the games just get started. Well, I mean, I get it, just because a lot of these guys didn't think they were going to have seasons to play, but... Yeah, uh, the unfortunate reality is Parsons gains nothing and potentially loses uh, draft stock by coming back. He's certainly not going to be knocked for having uh, opted out of the season. Granted, you know, can, given everything that's going on, and yeah, not a good situation. And this, this feels like a, uh, I don't know. If if I'm guessing at that line, I'm saying it's Ohio State minus seventeen. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. I'm I'm surprised you'd give us even that much respect. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's I, not look, good. look, Fryermuth is great. Uh, I I like I like Journey Brown. I think he has a breakout season. But I don't know. I feel like the recruiting quite hasn't quite been there the last couple of years for Penn State. They haven't they haven't managed to land that major that major playmaking recruit, despite you know good national records. And I and it's. I thought that was Franklin's thing. Like that was supposed to be Franklin's, you know, big ticket. Like, oh, I'm the recruiting guy. I'm, you know, that's that's my specialty. And then when he does that, it's we end up getting, you know, nowhere uh, with it. I don't know. I don't know what it is. The last, the last few years, I feel like we despite being good on the field, it's never like we don't have, we don't get the guy that's Justin Fields. You know what I mean? Well, we you had him. The, you had, well, well, I guess that's a bad example though, because that, that very class, you got Micah Parsons, who was the best defensive player in that draft uh, in that class. You just happened to lose Justin Fields, who was the, maybe the best quarterback prospect in that class. Right. Of course. <laughs> and why wouldn't we? we can, because we can never combine everything all together. Was Trevor, wait, was Trevor Lawrence in that class? He might've been. Uh, because because Fields a redshirt salt or is a Fields is draft eligible. Yeah, I gotta think I gotta think Lawrence was in that class. 
He, I mean, he would almost have to be, right? Just from a from an age standpoint, I feel like that matches up. Um, well, which really always doesn't matter because of redshirting and stuff. But yeah, it's it's a confusing situation. The let's see, in 2020, the Penn State's top recruit is a uh, well, it's 2021. The an offensive tackle from from Maryland. In 2020, the highest rated recruit was. Assuming ESPN will answer this question for me, an outside linebacker from Maryland by the name of Curtis Jacobs, uh, and then a tight end Theo Johnson from Canada. That's exciting. Uh, but this, we wouldn't be expecting these guys to step up. It's the 2019 class we're interested in. Theo Johnson. <laughs> and 2019, the number two linebacker uh, Brandon Smith signs with Penn State. They also get Noah Kane. Okay, so Noah Kane was a nice recruit, and Devin Ford was also in that class. But you know they, they're kind of behind Journey Brown at this point. So I don't know. Weird. Good. The running back situation's good. Yeah, the running back situation is great. That's been the the real strong point. The problem is, is outside of, I guess, KJ Hamler. Can you name another Penn State receiver uh, in the last five years? Maybe Deshaun Hamilton. Uh, right. What about Justin Shorter? He's going to be starting for oh, who is it? Jorah? Where's he at now? Justin, I don't know. Justin Shorter <laughs> was the number one receiving prospect in the entire country, and it just did not work out. He is. I don't know. I'm trying to see where Justin Shorter is. Now, he, I know he was immediately eligible when he transferred, and the school that he transferred was to Florida. So, yeah. so you know he's going to break out. It's just, yeah, what a, uh, what a disaster. Ricky Slade, there's another running back for you. Jesus, the, the running back room is, uh, is loaded in, oh, yeah, in Happy course. Valley. And and like I said, that's that's really been the strong that and tight ends. I mean, you yeah. see, um, you see Mike Gesicki finally kind of seemingly coming into his own in the NFL. Uh, you know, this past weekend had a, a pretty big breakout game for the Dolphins. Those are the two positions on offense they've really they've really excelled. And quarterback and receiver, they just falter. Yeah. By the way, Hamler, the number fifty nine running back. Uh, pardon me, wide receiver in his recruiting class, which just speaks to how inexact you know recruiting rankings are. Oh, it's bizarre. It, 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 I don't even know how you like go to start a recruiting list, like a rankings list. The amount, of, just the the sheer amount of people on there. There's no way you can see everyone, or at least not enough of everyone, right? To give accurate recruiting, you also don't know the caliber of opponents. I mean, you kind of do. But but from an overall standpoint, like you you really don't know all these high school teams unless you're absolutely overly obsessively watching tapes from all across the country. It's it's nearly impossible. That's all I do is just watch tape from all over the country, and I'm I'm excited to break down the Theo Johnson tape from Holy Names High School in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Canada plays high school football. Is that a thing? Oh, Canada. Do they do they play by CFL rules? That's my real question. I'm guessing no, but I also have no reason to believe that that is either true or false. Well, it's not like the NFL has a presence in Canada. I mean, they don't have a team. So that's I would think they'd have to play by CFL rules with the with the goalpost at the front of the end zone. Um just it's, that's an inter- now now I'm intrigued. Like now I'm I'm legitimately like I wonder if that if that is the case. Does high, does Canadian high school football play by CFL or NFL rules? Well, obviously not NFL rules, but the the same sort of system that uh, 
Can I tell you? The NFL would use. Weirdly enough, they play by XFL rules. <laughs> they don't do the coin toss anymore. They just do the thing where they roll the ball out and two guys have to wrestle for oh, it. Oh, yeah. No, it's old school XFL rules, too. Yeah, yeah of course. They, yeah, absolutely. They haven't heard that that version of the XFL folded yet. <laughs> absolutely not. Oh, my gosh. The old school XFL was just so ridiculous. I, I wish, you know, as much as much fun as the XFL was before, uh, co- you know, coronavirus killed it, mm-hmm. um, I, I do wish they had incorporated some of that old school stuff. At least the names on the back of the jerseys. Like, that was some of the funnest the funnest parts of, uh, of the XFL. And they just, like, completely poo-pooed it uh, as, they, as they tried to relaunch. Poo-pooed it they did. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Chris, and I'm here to let you know this week's episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why is brought to you in part by Himalaya Ashwagandha. Look, I don't have to tell you guys that the world is crazy right now. It stresses everywhere from the pandemic to our personal lives to our jobs. It seems like there's always something keeping us up at night. God knows that's the case for me. I lay there wondering, did I remember to pay the bills? Did I get all of my work done? And probably about 10 other things as well. Like I said, stress, anxiety, worry, pressures at home, at work, the kids, the co-workers. There is so much that causes stress and anxiety these days and we're all looking for a natural way to take the edge off and protect our mind and body against it. Himalaya ashwagandha helps me navigate through my daily stresses and anxieties. Now I know what you're thinking, what is ashwagandha? Fair question, and the simple answer is ashwagandha is an herb. In ancient times, ashwagandha was considered the king of the Ayurvedic herbs, and it was used for a wide variety of conditions. In functional medicine today, we harness the power of ashwagandha primarily to help our bodies adapt to the stress of modern day life so that we can feel calm and balanced. Himalaya ashwagandha is organic, non-GMO, it contains no binders or fillers, and it is clinically validated for safety and efficacy. Stress less and find calm with Himalaya ashwagandha. And hey, the best part is get 20% off your first order on Amazon with the discount code YOURWRONG20, Y-O-U-R-E-W-R-O-N-G-2-0. And you can also check out the show notes for more information on this episode's sponsorship with Himalaya. Hey guys, Chris here, and as you know, the wait is over, football is back, we are in the thick of it, and while you might not be going to the game this year, you can still be in on all of the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. You can also get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures right now. Head over to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. What a fun weekend this is going to be in the NFL. We've got Rams versus Bills on Sunday. That's going to be fun. We've got the Raiders at the Patriots on Sunday. And oh yeah, maybe an early candidate for game of the year in the Chiefs-Ravens game on Monday night football. I know I'm excited. To get in on all that action and oh so much more, visit our good friends and the exclusive partner at Podcast One, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Love saying that. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use the promo code PODCAST1 for your sign-up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 
right, Gregory, we're back, and uh, let's talk about some players who will not be back anytime soon. Maybe the most injury-riddled weekend we've seen of NFL football in quite some time. This past weekend seems like superstar after superstar was dropping every time we looked up at the screen. I want to talk about some of the bigger injuries here. You tell me how it's going to impact their particular organizations. Uh, let's start with the San Francisco 49ers. Lost a bunch of guys. They lose Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas on back-to-back plays. Also, Raheem Mostert's banged up. And, uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo gets banged up. May play this weekend, but that's uh, it's questionable at this point. I mean, you want to talk about just an absolute insane situation that the 49ers found themselves in. Yeah. Uh, losing Bosa is just is just terrible for their defense. Same with Solomon Thomas. I mean, it's, it's those are two really, really hard guys to replace. Uh, luckily, they, they sort of avoided anything major with Mostert, and they have enough guys. But they also lost Tevin Coleman. Mm-hmm. Like, they also lost him. So that's, I mean, you're talking about two-thirds of your of your you know, running backs just gone. And now you're relying on Jarek McKinnon, who's coming off two back-to-back ACL injuries. <laughs> so it's, it was a, it was a tough weekend in New York city for, uh, well, I guess, New Jersey, whatever for, uh, for, for the 49ers. And I don't know if they can recover fast enough as the season progresses. I mean, I'm sure they'll be fine. I'm, I think they play in Philadelphia sometime soon. So they'll probably win that game by four touchdowns, regardless of who's playing. Um, Nick Mullins football. I mean, listen, listen. I know he's playing the Jets, but he didn't look terrible. And he also past, didn't he look good. Look I think we're, I think we're getting a little carried away with the Nick Mullins hype. He was <laughs> the epitome of okay. But that's all you kind of have to be in that offense. I mean, you can't yeah. tell me that that Garoppolo is some flashy three hundred yard passer when basically their offense ran ran them to the Super Bowl last year. Well, um, this is all a moot point though, because that same Forty ers team has to go back to that same stadium and play again this weekend. I mean, it's just bad juju. Yes, all it is. Day. I mean, you have to be you have to be terrified. the The best part is, is I think they there was the report they wanted them to look into the turf. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, what do you do? You can't move the game. So right. what are we doing? We're going to get next. We're going to, we're going to bring in some next turf and, and replace whatever's going on. Dude, you got to uh, worry about that turf. Guys are, are concerned about that turf. I got the chance to talk to Michael Irvin on the underdog this week. And Michael and I spent some time talking about playing at veteran stadium and how, how precarious that turf was. Yeah. I mean, that, well, that was. You were, you were talking about playing on, like, uh, cement mm-hmm. uh, cement with, like, the little green carpeting over top of it that, like, playgrounds would have. Yeah, it was spray-painted uh, green carpeting, too. It was, it was just, <laughs> that was a trap. That was a trap all day, every day. Just every snap, uh, you were potentially risking risking injury uh, just from taking a step wrong. Um, I mean, it's... To me, you have to you have to wonder what's going to be going through the heads of every single San Francisco player when they go to step back on that field this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's don't get hurt, don't get hurt, don't get hurt. Oh, I'm hurt. Yeah. That's how that works. Well, Jarek McKinnon's going to get hurt before the game starts. I think that's 100%. pretty much locked up. But, you know, would you, if you're the 49ers and you have all of these guys who are, like, kind of questionable, oh, God, oh, this is a week off for you. We'll see you next week. Like George Kittle or Jimmy Garoppolo would not be playing football this weekend if I was the 49ers. No way. There's no way I put Kittle out there. He already had like a a, a scare of a knee injury. If you, if you saw that play, 
uh, it did not look great, um, and luckily he was able to escape with just a sprain. But uh, I'm not I'm not testing the waters uh, with with my franchise tight end mm-hmm. um, this weekend. Well, the New York Giants will be without their franchise running back for the remainder of the season, though they have signed Devontae Freeman in his stead. The Giants lose Saquon Barkley to a torn ACL. His season, not exactly what the Giants were hoping for after basically 1,500 total yards in 13 games last year. Saquon finishes up the 2020 season with 19 carries for 34 yards. Not great. Not great. Uh, Not great for Saquon Barkley, the Giants franchise, or my fantasy football team. Um, Knew that was going to happen at some point. I mean, it's. It, I'm not. I'm definitely not allowed to have nice things when it comes to fantasy football. So, um, it was. It was just a matter of time, I guess, uh, before that that happened. So, um, I, I mean, listen, it's. You feel for Saquon. You do kind of wonder. He had just. He had just kind of gotten hurt the previous play. Like maybe take him out of the game for a second, give yeah. him a breather, and and. and you know, he's potentially overcompensating because he had just kind of jacked up his elbow. You never kind of know. And obviously, I mean, ACLs are a freak injury in certain cases, but uh, I think this really hurts the Giants yeah. as a franchise overall. Like, you don't you don't want the guy who was your, your number, you know, what, two pick overall mm-hmm. a year ago or two years ago to, to go down this way. Especially, you're trying to build as much, um, you know, as much – playing time and experience with, you know, Daniel Jones and Saquon and, and getting a new offense installed. And, and here we are six quarters into the season. And that's that plan's thrown completely out the window. Well, let's let's go back to that 2018 NFL draft, because a lot of people thought it was a little bit of a strange move for the Giants to take a running back number two in an era where running backs aren't tended. You know, we don't tend to value them at at that uh Oh, the Devontae Freeman signing now official one year three million. That's funny timing. Uh, we don't we don't we don't tend to value them that highly. But the Giants and uh, their genius general manager said we're going after Hall of Famers. We're going after Gold Jacket guys with this. And you know my thinking was that that might lead them to Quentin Nelson to build up that offensive line. But obviously you can't argue with what you got from Saquon. With that said, looking back at it. Was Saquon the right pick? I I think it was mainly because you you wanted to get a guy who you know you can build at least a little bit around from an offensive standpoint. You're never going to factor in an injury. Sure, it's always in the back of your mind. Of course. Um, but and Saquon is like when he's at his best, you see him. He's jumping over guys. He's he's elusive. He's he's unbelievable from a from a running standpoint. He's a guy that can change a game on, in one play uh, anytime he touches the ball. Now <laughs> the problem is, is with that ACL. It becomes how does he come back? Now obviously you know this isn't 1995 when an ACL essentially meant career over. Um, we see guys come back bigger, stronger, ready to go, uh, um, and you just have to hope that it doesn't have that significant of an impact on yeah. him. Sure, would Quentin Nelson have been nice and maybe our offensive line would have been a little bit improved if you're the Giants? Absolutely. Yeah, or or um, a guy like, uh, you know, it's tough to say that they wouldn't be better off with Josh Allen at quarterback and then be able to use that pick the next year on a skill position guy. 
Chris, how are you going to take someone from Wyoming over a guy from Duke? You have to take that into consideration. Well, I mean, in that scenario, you'd be taking a guy from Wyoming over a guy from USC and Sam Darnold. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'm glad the Giants are are baffling uh, because they are in our division and it's one less team to constantly worry about. Yeah. Um, So that's nice, but... uh, to me, to me, I, I don't think the boat's officially out on Daniel Jones. I think he has a lot, uh, a, a lot to still see from him. He does make some boneheaded plays, though. There, yeah. there's some stuff that happens where you're just like, "Buddy, what are we doing here?" Like, I, I just don't get it. The, the standout is the, the like, twenty play drive against the Steelers that ends with an interception in the end zone on on the Monday Night Football game, and you're just like. My guy, like you're you're just forcing things for no reason after after a really really solid drive. It's it's actually similar to what we experience with Carson Wentz on every weekend. So, uh, it's bizarre. I've got a fun little game for you here because this is a, a really interesting top of the draft in 2018. I want now that we've got two years uh, of information on all of these guys. I want you to grade the picks as of today. Okay. Let's start. The Cleveland Browns take Baker Mayfield number one. Okay. Baker, you know, obviously an incredible, uh, incredible rookie okay. season. Set some, set some records. Thirty-seven hundred yards as a rookie. Thirty-eight last year, but turned the ball over way too much. Twenty-two touchdowns, twenty-one interceptions, and the team wasn't great. Man. It's a tough one because I, I think I think it's in like the C range. I just he hasn't been he hasn't been what you expected and what you saw uh, after that rookie year. It's been it's been nothing short of a nightmare. I mean, yeah, sure, he carved up the Bengals a little bit this past weekend, but week one was a disaster. So uh, I'd have to go very average. Okay, the Giants take Saquon, too, as a rookie. Unbelievable. 1,300 yards rushing, also catches 90 balls. That drops to 1,052 passes last year in 13 games, and now an ACL in year three. I think because of the production that you got and what the expectations are, with the injury, it's probably in like the B to B- minus range. Um he he's a guy like I said before. He's a game breaker. He's he's an unbelievably talented player. But the injury takes away from that. The Jets go Darnold three plays thirteen games in both of his first two seasons. Twenty eight hundred yards on a fifty seven point seven percent completion percentage as a rookie. That jumps to three thousand and sixty one percent. Nineteen touchdowns, thirteen interceptions last year. I don't think the Jets as a franchise have done Darnold many favors. Any favors. Um, yeah, like they they've put him in a in a real tough situation. He has almost no weapons at all, um, and and you know their coaching staff is just a, a literal joke. Uh, at least at head coach, it's very very bad. Um, I'd have to say it's like a D minus pick, but it's not all his doing. Anshu said something really interesting about Darnold, and it just as soon as it hit me, I was like, oh yeah, that's gonna happen. So. The Jets have a really good shot at that number one pick, right? You got to think it's them or Miami at this point. Right. The Jets pick number one, the picks Trevor Lawrence, which means Darnold's getting moved. Watch Darnold get traded for like a second and a fourth round pick to the Patriots. <laughs> uh, stop. 
I don't like why. Why do you do this? I'm just. To me? Doesn't it make perfect sense though? Yeah, of course it makes perfect sense. But eh, now I have to be bummed about that. And honestly, everything the Patriots do, I just have to be completely bummed at because I know that it's the the right move in like every situation. The, it's a bummer. The uh, the Browns take Denzel Ward four. He's a Pro Bowler in 2018 as a rookie, including Defensive Rookie of the Week twice. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a, a, an A an A pick. Ward's been Ward's been nothing short of fantastic for them. Yeah, absolutely shut down AJ Green last weekend, but needs to stay on the field. He's never played more than 13 games in a season so far. The Denver Broncos take Bradley Chubb. Number five, obviously an incredible rookie season, 12 sacks, but gets hurt four games into last year with the the ACL and uh, has not played this season. Yeah, I think the first year was great, but then when you miss all these games moving moving forward, it makes that pick look a little less productive. Uh, I, I think I'd, I'd put him in like the C plus to B minus range. Sorry, why isn't Bradley Chubb, why hasn't he played this season? I'm not sure, to be perfectly honest. Maybe Wikipedia, an opt-out maybe guy? Wikipedia just doesn't have stats for him, but that would be strange. Oh, I mean, they're defensive stats, so who knows? I'm going to assume that's what it is, that they just haven't updated defensive stats. I'm going to say Bradley Chubb is playing for those Denver Broncos. I just haven't watched him play yet. Also, I'm now, now learning that he's the younger cousin of Nick Chubb, which uh, hmm. I did not know. Number I six, the Colts take Quentin Nelson and, uh, you know, makes all pro as a rookie. Yeah, it's an A. That's, that's, a, that's an A. a. That's an A plus plus pick. <laughs> the the uh, Bills take Josh Allen seven. Struggles a little bit as a rook, but uh, plays in twelve games, two thousand yards, fifty two percent completion percentage. Kind of ugly, but runs for six hundred and thirty one yards and he scores as a sophomore last season. Plays in and starts sixteen. That number is up to three thousand and fifty eight percent, and he runs for nine touchdowns. Yeah, man, I think we're I think we're in like the B plus the mm-hmm. B plus range with that. And he is a uh, on the rise quarterback. If you saw uh, you know the late the late game stuff with uh, the the Bills and in the Dolphins uh, this weekend, I mean the guy was making every throw you could you could possibly imagine. He still is a little bit wild and 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 can get can get a you know when he's scrambling it's a little bit funky. But overall, uh, I think that's been a home run for the Bills. Like Josh Allen's. Like, through two games, and I know two games is very, very uh, much a small sample size, sneaky MVP candidate. Keeps up those numbers, man. I don't. I, I wouldn't shock me. This one's interesting because this guy's really talented, but he's been hurt a little bit. Roquan Smith goes to the Chicago Bears. A lot of expectations yeah, for him coming out. Yeah, um, you would think that he would get a lot of a bump because of the Khalil, you know, Khalil Mack also being on the field. Um, I think I think it's it's been a little bit underwhelming for sure. Uh, I, I think we sit around sit around like a C plus B minus again for him. A lot of guys, a lot of guys are with when you talk about the injury concerns and stuff like that. This is kind of where you fall. Yeah, the rest, you know, th- I think that's really the interesting part of this first round because then it starts to get very hit or miss. You know, McGlinchey goes next to the 49ers. He's been hurt and kind of inconsistent when he has played. Josh Rosen goes to the Cardinals at 10. I F. think they might do that uh, over. Might not do that over if they had the opportunity. The Dolphins take Minka at 11, but then trade him for a first-round pick. The uh, the Bucks take Vitavia at 12. You know, uh, when are we going to stop taking run stuffers? 
in the top half of the first <laughs> round. I don't understand that. Washington takes Darren Payne from Alabama, another big defensive tackle at 13. That's whatever. Marcus Davenport has been very good for the Saints at 14. Colton Miller has been up and down with his consistency at Oakland at offensive tackle. Tremaine Edwards, very good, but still sort of dialing in his technique for the Bills. Derwin James is maybe the best safety in football and can't stop getting hurt. Uh, yeah, J- that's a real struggle. Yeah, Jair Alexander, you know, turning into a, an elite cornerback in Green Bay. Leighton Vander Esch turning into one of the best linebackers in football, but can't stop getting hurt. So it's a weird first round. It's a very strange. Well, that's. I mean, that that goes back to to the draft being such a crapshoot. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it, you you take guys and you think like this is the perfect fit, and, and we're gonna we're gonna knock this out of the park, and then it's. Danny Watkins, uh, you know what I mean? Like it's 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 just complete disaster. Or you find that that guy who, you know, maybe he slides to 15, he's your perfect like the perfect fit for your your schemes and you know, he you, you end up with a Hall of Famer. Well, I mean, you see that a lot at the end, you know, getting getting to the end of this first round too. Like Carolina gets DJ Moore at 24. Atlanta steals Calvin Ridley, who is quietly turning into a superstar wide receiver at 26. Lamar Jackson, the last pick in the first round from the Baltimore Ravens via the Philadelphia Eagles. And then after Lamar Jackson, it's like it's Lamar Jackson, Austin Corbett, Will Hernandez, Nick Chubb, Darius Leonard. Like those five guys (laughs) go from 32 to 35. And, you know, Corbett and Hernandez are not in the same level as uh, as those other players. No, not even a tiny bit. <laughs> You're talking about it, an MVP, uh, one of the top tier running backs in the NFL. I mean, it's it's insane. And a and a defensive All Pro as a rookie, the the Colts' yep. other rookie def- All Pro in uh, in that season. Oh God, this one hurts. Like at 49, the Eagles take Goddard, and it only hurts because, like, I remember how like smug and happy the Eagles were when they made that pick, and only to have the tables turned in a much worse way when the Cowboys had that same smug look by taking Ceedee Lamb in front of us this year. I'm I'm tired of smug looks from the Eagles front office and coaching staff. It's it's the, the biggest joke. If you saw Doug Peterson's comments. Um, yesterday about how, well, we just didn't have the reps in the offseason and we're still struggling. It's like, Doug, nobody did. What are, what are we talking about No, the here? Eagles were the only team that couldn't practice. You didn't yeah, know that? Yeah, like, like just, just completely made up excuses. Um, you know, you get, you're basically, oh, great, our second round pick. Hey, he got to play this weekend. He was a decoy on two plays. Oh, not, that's not true, Greg. He, he uh, well, uh, okay, that second round pick is true. He's a decoy, decoy in three plays. Last year's second round pick, was a guy who we forced another ball to and threw a bad interception. Just oh, horrendous. Never throw the ball to JJAW. That guy stinks. Can't get open. And 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 you know, I keep getting called a Carson apologist by which my is friends. so weird. Uh, it, the fact that the fact that all the blame falls on Carson is absurd. Yeah. This team is poorly built. Their defense is absolutely astonishingly bad. You it's made crazy. the point to me. Uh, you made the point to me uh, over the weekend uh, while watching the game that the Rams, the Rams, uh, <laughs> the Rams offense was fine. Nate Geary. Yeah, that's the play. Like that's it. That guy stinks. Stinks. 
stinks. He can't cover anyone. Like, it's absurd. I think it was at every touchdown that Tyler Higby <laughs> scored, he was covered by Nate Geary. All nine of them, um, yes. And it's not even worth pointing out that his name is actually pronounced Gary. Because who cares? <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you're right. It's completely <laughs> irrelevant. It's to, to me... This defense, uh, the only thing we care about is the defensive line. Everything else is a complete is a complete shit show. Like there's nothing nothing else in that defense worth literally anything. Yeah, you and I had the conversation trying to figure out whether or not Javon Hargrave even played this past weekend, which is never a good conversation no. to have after a game when you're talking about your big free agent acquisition. But uh, you know, I thought Jalen Mills said something really interesting today. Somebody asked about how much the team misses Malcolm Jenkins. And, like, he respectfully said, hey, you know, can we stop talking about this at this point? We have a lot of leaders in the room, all of that. And in his defense, Malcolm Jenkins looked like burnt toast last night. Yeah, he didn't look great. Um, he, in coverage, he was getting eaten up you would be by f- Darren Waller. Eagles fans would be furious if we gave Malcolm Jenkins the contract the Saints gave him. Uh, yes. A- after yeah. that game, yes. After that game, yes, sure. When the signing happened, it's it's an Al Horford situation. When the signing happened, we're good. I guess we're happy. But uh, once the game start, it's like this is this is the worst move we ever made. Yeah. Well, nah, Waller Waller was all up on Jenkins last night. Yeah, Waller he is taking a step. And by the way, Derek Carr looked awesome. Yeah, he did. He really did. The whole Raiders team looked good. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, obviously Jacobs didn't have his normal production. And Ruggs which, did nothing. Yeah, I mean, but but Carr was able to spread the ball around. He got it. Yes, he, he, got he was able of- to spread the ball around to Darren Waller. <laughs> but he also got Renfro involved. He also, uh, you know, he got a couple a couple other guys some catches. We had a fullback touchdown. Hey. Um, it's. I, I think that Raiders team is is sneaky, uh, with uh, well coached and and kind of ready to go. Waller twelve catches, the next highest player on the team. Uh, Hunter Renfro and Josh Jacobs tied with three catches each. Hey, listen, but we run, we run a lot of tight end packages. But you are right in that they spread the ball around as six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven guys caught a football last night. Yeah, see, I knew, I knew I wasn't crazy. Including the ghost of Jason Witten. Unreal. I cannot believe that dude's on the Raiders. I actually forgot until he made the catch. Yeah, the Raiders forgot too. The Raiders absolutely. <laughs> he, he is, I mean, talk about another guy who's who's there to be a presence in the locker room more than anything else. But look, this is this is getting a little long. I want to hit on one more injury just because it's got you know really interesting ramifications. I've been calling this forever. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's hurt. Who could have seen that coming? Gonna miss, I, I believe right now it's two to six weeks for the, they're saying something in that area. But McCaffrey says he's gonna come back quick. This I hope so is scary. <laughs> no, you shouldn't hope so. Because you know, we've seen guys like Adrian Peterson and Odell Beckham Jr. try to rush back from exactly this injury and almost immediately got hurt with season ending injuries. Well, listen, Chris, my fantasy teams uh took a beating. This week, uh, between Saquon and then McCaffrey going down, um, it, it was it seemed like such an innocent play mm-hmm. too, where he got hurt. Uh, it just just one of those one of those things where like he kind of rumbles into the end zone and then gets up slow, and you're like, what what happened here? Um, and it's amazing that this this kind of stuff doesn't happen more often. Um, I, that Panthers team is a bizarre one. Yeah, it's I, I don't know like. Their defense, their defense was very lackluster, and then they they make the comeback and they they get it close, and 
it's just they're they're all out of. I don't know what Matt Rule's really doing. To be perfectly honest, it seems it seems like he's not really sure of of what he has just yet. Or we're not sure if he should be coaching in the NFL just yet. <laughs> That's also probably a very good uh, a very good uh, question to bring up. But it's uh, you know it's year one for Matt Rule, so he's probably not going anywhere anytime soon. This is uh, this. It's just yeah. I don't. I don't want to see McCaffrey rush back and then be done because the high ankle sprain, even in the best case scenario, like this is an injury that can stick with a guy for an entire season, especially a guy who plays like McCaffrey plays. Yeah, you, you kind of. It's almost one of those situations where you have to like step in uh, and and prevent a guy from hurting himself. Right. You know. Um, it's obviously it's so hard to tell a guy, you know, what, what's McCaffrey, 26, 27, I don't something th- like that. I don't that. think he's that old. Yeah. Uh, you got to sit there and tell him, listen, like we are doing this for your, your long-term benefits. It's 24. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's one of those invincibility things. Like oh, I'll be back as soon as I you know, feel like 75%, I'll be good to go. Yeah. Um, I hope for the sake of Carolina Panthers fans that they're able to, to, to make sure he's a hundred percent, before he he ventures back, there is no reason to risk that guy's health for this no, season. No, because they're not go- they're not going anywhere this year. Why do it? No, you can. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, Christian, you've got the rest of the year off. Get healthy. We'll see you in 2021. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't hurt that they would get a much higher draft pick as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, they'd be. You're talking about a team that could potentially be, you know, what. Uh, Top, top, I mean, top five. five? You thinking, yeah, and that that puts you in that Justin Fields, Trey Lance situation. Or if you want to go receiver, you could add Jamar Chase to DJ Moore in the gang. If you want to go offensive tackle, you have uh, Sewell from Oregon. Yeah, Micah Parsons was talked about earlier that he would look pretty good on that defense. Any of those oh, pieces? Boy. Yes, he would. That would be that would be a scary defense. Uh, well, that's it for this episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why. For Greg Crone, I'm Chris Horwardell. We will see you back here later this week. Until then, goodbye.